Chapter Eight of The Whispering Man by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: What Jack Marshall Knew. The man who took the stand in response to this summons I recognized instantly as the young police officer who had been left in charge of the scene of the crime the night before he sat very squarely on the witness chair his helmet on his knees his face composed into a perfectly meaningless official expression which members of the force nearly always exhibit when they are on the stand after the routine questions which served to inform the jury who he was and what his connection with the case amounted to the coroner handed him the envelope which he had been holding in his fingers open that he said and tell me if you know what the object is that it contains no sir i don't do you recognize it do you mean have i ever seen it before yes sir tell the jury where it was when you saw it it was last evening late after the lieutenant and the rest of them had gone away i was looking about not thinking of much of anything when i saw something shining on the carpet it looked like steel and it was sticking up like so that i was afraid i might step on it and get it in my feet as i was walking about i picked it up and this was it sir you are quite sure that was the thing you picked up yes sir tell us exactly where it was when you saw it why it was on the carpet sir in dr marshall's inner office two or three paces away from the desk i should say what did you do with it when you picked it up i stuck it in this little envelope and put it in my pocket and this morning i showed it to the inspector the witness was excused after having handed back to the coroner the envelope and the thing it contained then very gravely the coroner looked down at the man who was sitting within arm's reach of me i am afraid i must call you to the stand again dr armstrong he said the new witness rose and walked steadily up to the chair on the witness stand he was very pale but he did not look terror-stricken or guilty he faced his inquisitor without flinching the coroner handed the envelope to him can you tell the jury what that object is dr armstrong the young doctor took the curved bit of steel looked at it closely appeared somewhat to my surprise to smell of it and then seemed to let his mind glide off into a sort of reverie unconscious of the fact that we were all waiting for his answer to the question the coroner repeated it rather sharply do you know what it is dr armstrong he came back to his present surroundings with a start yes sir he said it is the broken end of a hypodermic needle in your testimony this morning dr armstrong you mentioned the fact that your own hypodermic needle was broken yesterday morning you may recall this statement as the reason you alleged for your errand to the instrument shop on the first floor dr armstrong was that needle which you hold in your fingers broken from the end of your own hypodermic syringe no sir said the doctor quietly the question might as well have been are you the man who murdered dr marshall 
but there was no vehemence no suggestion of protest in the tone of the witness's voice are you able the coroner continued to produce the broken point of your own needle no sir it fell from my hand while i was washing it and the broken end went down the drain well the chain was complete at last on the witness's own testimony he had sat alone in a room with direct access to the murdered man at the time when the murder was committed the instrument of death had been a hypodermic syringe which had been broken in the encounter and again returning to the testimony of the witness himself this man who sat there now in the witness box had gone out to purchase a new similar instrument within an hour of the commission of the murder the witness seemed to realize how perfectly the links of the chain fitted together but something either the incandescent clarity of his innocence or the most stupendous impudent effrontery was sustaining him he seemed loath to hand the needlepoint back to the coroner. He took off his spectacles for a better look at it, rubbed his finger along its curved surface. The coroner was holding out his hand, waiting to take it back. When the witness met his look, and it was the witness who asked the next question, "'Is it your theory, sir, that this needle was the one used by the murderer?' "'You are on the stand to answer questions, not to ask them.' but the witness proceeded unabashed i believe that is your theory if it is and if it's right i think i can provide the coroner's physician with a hint as to the nature of the poison used i believe that i recognize it i think it is safe to say that everyone in that room who heard his words gasped with astonishment here was innocence or effrontery with a vengeance and for the moment i think most of our minds inclined toward the latter there was a moment of dead silence then the coroner said rather hoarsely go on sir you may tell us your belief in the matter i think said the witness that the liquid which was driven through this needle was a powerful solution of nicotine bartartrate it is one of the essential principles of the tobacco plant and one of the deadliest and swiftest known poisons of course it would require a chemical analysis to prove the correctness of my opinion but i myself have very little doubt of it did you ever hear of a case doctor it was the coroner who spoke of this poison being used upon a human being such cases are rare the witness answered promptly but some few are known i know of only one murder in which this was the poison used but you do know of one yes sir a certain french count whose name at the moment escapes me was murdered by means of this poison somewhere back in the eighties have you at present in your laboratory any sample of this poison dr armstrong i think so sir i'm not sure for that matter it occurs in the american pharmacopoeia any doctor can get it strange as it may seem i think the effect of the doctor's candour with the coroner myself the jury and the spectators told against rather than for him it produced so strong and instantaneous an impression of innocence that the mind reacted from it and reflected that this impression was just exactly what it had been calculated to produce 
the coroner had no more questions to ask neither had any member of the jury but the district attorney was on his feet asking for a word more i think that had it not been for the effect that might be produced on the jury by the amazing information which dr armstrong had volunteered cromwell would have spared the witness these last twists of the thumbscrews but he was quite merciless and meant to take no chances is it true dr armstrong he asked that just before the murder you were on the point of severing your connection with dr marshall and leaving the city that shot told plainly enough the witness started his hands clenched convulsively on the chair arm and he pressed his lips tight together for a moment before he attempted to answer finally he nodded his head and contrived to utter the word yes is it also true his inquisitor went on that you had quarrelled with the deceased and that your decision to go away was the result of this quarrel partly yes sir you had been on very friendly terms with him previously had you not not only with him with his family yes that is true you had been a frequent visitor at his house had you not yes sir the district attorney with a grim smile on his pugnacious face turned sharply away with a little shrug of his shoulders and he let fifteen or twenty seconds intervene before he asked the next question when he did ask it he contrived to get into his inflection of the words the suggestion that asking it was a mere form of law and that it was impossible there should be an answer do you care to state to the jury the cause of your quarrel with dr marshall he asked no said the witness between his white lips that's quite impossible that's enough said the district attorney the coroner's summing up of the case and the retirement of the jury to deliberate was a mere matter of form they could have reached their verdict without leaving their seats so far as that went Dr. Armstrong betrayed neither fear nor excitement when he heard the verdict. It had been practically a foregone conclusion all the afternoon, and he was ready for it. He listened without a quiver to the words which deprived him of his liberty, turned to the nearest officer, and said, "'Take me across the bridge. I am ready.' The formalities were few and swift." In the crowd of spectators I drifted out of the room and down the corridor. I was wondering how it had happened that, after all, now that it was over, the chain of testimony which the inquest had brought out complete in every detail, providing the motive, the opportunity, and the method of the murder, and pointing it all straight at one man, still failed to produce in me a full and satisfactory conviction of his guilt." and then came the thought which i mentioned at the beginning of my account of the day's proceedings that at any rate it was all over at least for to-day until a night's sleep and a little leisure for quiet reflection should have brought back a clear mind again there could be nothing more to grapple with but there i was mistaken it was late in the afternoon and the corridor was not very well lighted but for all that i was able to recognize the figure of the man who stood back in the shadowy angle of it watching the stream of spectators that was drifting out 
he was the man who had fainted and whom the coroner had excused from further attendance on the inquest my young friend jack marshall it only needed one look at his face to convince me that the perplexities and surprises of my day were not exhausted yet for if the wildly staring eyes of the man who now clutched my arm were prophets of the truth something was going to happen at once come with me he gasped hoarsely i've got something to say to you the hand which clutched my arm was in a convulsive grasp and trembling uncontrollably steady said i there is plenty of time walk along quietly with me until we are out of the crowd we turned down white street crossed baxter and went into mulberry bend park it was the late afternoon of a warm spring day and the little park teemed and swarmed with humanity but it was the sort of humanity that would have no ears for our conversation sit down here now said i and tell me what you have to say he began with a question have they held armstrong i nodded he's locked up in the tombs already said i drew the young man whispered he didn't do it he didn't do it i wish i could be sure said i of course the circumstances seem to establish an almost irresistible case against him i think that any jury would find him guilty on the evidence that has been developed on the inquest to-day and yet somehow i can't find it in my heart to believe he did it that's not my trouble said jack i wish to heaven i could believe he did it i don't know how much i would give my life i think to be able to believe that it was dr armstrong who murdered my father but i can't because drew i know he didn't i know he didn't he hadn't any chance to do it then said i trying in vain to speak steadily if you know the hunt you know more than the coroner knows you know something that ought to have come out at the inquest to-day as a result of that inquest if your knowledge is correct if there is no possibility of mistake about it then an innocent man is locked in a cell over there in the tombs prison we shall have to have the truth now jack whoever it hurts whatever the consequence may be but can you be sure absolutely sure that dr armstrong was innocent after all yes he said that's the one thing i can be sure of he was down at the instrument makers wasn't he from a quarter past twelve till half past twelve yes said i what of that he was shuddering so that he could scarcely speak but he finally compelled the words to his trembling lips this is what i know he said i know that someone came out of my father's office at twenty minutes past twelve i know who that person was there was a moment of silence while i waited for him to speak the name but it soon became evident that he did not mean to do it who was it jack i asked you must tell me that now whoever it was not yet he said with a sort of gasp i must see her first i must try again to get her to tell me the truth End of chapter 8